With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Table of remembrance. I think of Jesus as he went to the cross. And God made him both our Savior and our Lord. And as the scriptures tell us, our advocate. But our scriptures also tell us that he, in his actions, became our high priest, high priest of the faith. And in Hebrews, the fifth chapter, oh, about uh, verse 5, it speaks of the Christ in this way. It says, thus the Christ, the Messiah, also has not glorified himself to be made high priest, but he who had said to him, Thou art my son, I have today begotten thee. Even also in another place he says, Thou art a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, that is Jesus, having offered up both supplications and entreaties to him who was able to save him out of death with strong crying and tears, and having been heard because of his piety, though he were son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered, and having been perfected, became to all them that obey him author of their eternal salvation. Addressed by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. The Lord himself. Let us consider these things as we partake in remembrance of him. We thank you, Father, for the work ministry and love of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And that we never forget, Father, the suffering and pain that he endured that we may have entrance into your family through faith and your word. As we partake of these emblems that represent his body and his blood, help us to remember daily these things done on our behalf, and we pray it in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
Oh, good morning. I uh, started this morning in the book of Proverbs and continued this morning in the book of Proverbs in class. And as soon as I can find my, I've got a few too many, I got quite a few Bibles open on my phone. Proverbs chapter nineteen, uh, chapter twenty-nine. When the righteous are praised, or multiplied, as a number of other translations use, when the righteous are praised, the people will rejoice. But when the ungodly rule, men mourn. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of men mourning right now, people everywhere. You know, it, this, this, this body does not have a responsibility to, to preach politics. That's not, what we're, that's not what we're interested in doing. But let's not confuse politics with culture and society, because that, the Word, and the Lord himself had a lot to say about Constantly, over and over and over again. We've got a, a duty and responsibility to help preserve the things of the Lord. The, the ideas, the, the, the characteristics. We were in Romans 1 this morning in class, and that infamous word Godhead, which is it's used three times in the Bible, and all three times it's a completely different word. Why they, why they translate it the same English word Godhead is beyond me, but this... In Romans 1, that has to do with the nature, the very characteristics, the, at, the attributes of God, His divinity. We have a, a, a mission to keep that alive among the people. People are mourning right now, not everybody, and not, and not everybody to the same degree, and not all because who's, who's occupying the White House at the moment. That's that's far from our biggest concern. We have troubles at home. We have troubles in our, in our cities, in our counties, in our states, in our countries. All over. All over people, people are struggling. And when they're struggling, because they lack a... It's more often than not, they lack a foundation to stand on. Something solid. Something that is unmovable. The Lord spoke of His church as... Not even the gates of Hades would be able to measure up to it. These things aren't easy. These writings, is what we build our faith on, it's, it doesn't come, it, doesn't, it isn't built overnight to completion. It's difficult. And the words and the scriptures are difficult. We deep speak different language. It's written in an ancient language that is, is dead. It's not even used anymore. But we're thankful for A, our ability to still have it and have it preserved, and B, for our teachers who have taught us how to work in it. Jumping over to, to Second Peter, the last chapter, just the last few verses as he's ending, ending this letter. Among the last written and I just jumping into uh, jumping into uh, verse fifteen, and it's not 
he's gone on a lot of, on about a lot of things here. And he writes here, And the long-suffering of our Lord count you salvation, according as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, did write to you. As also in all the epistles, speaking in them concerning these things, these end times, these tribulations, these things in the church that they were struggling and were going to struggle with, among which these things are certain hard to be understood, which the untaught and unstable do rest, wrestle, as also with the other writings unto their own destruction. Beloved, knowing before, take heed, lest together, uh, lest together with the error of the impious being led away, you may fall from your own steadfast steadfastness and increase in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him is the glory both now and to the day of the age. Amen. That's the end of particular letter. We reserve this time to make our points known in supporting the work done here to increase increase in the knowledge. People will need it. Might not necessarily walk into this building on Sunday morning. But you don't you never know where you're gonna have the opportunity to make a to make a useful change in, in the life based on what you've learned in the body. Thank you. Good morning. Jesus of Nazareth, the one sent from God in Luke chapter 7, makes it even more sure, that statement. Uh, As so many heard in that day, and as we realize now, and have for the last 2,000 years uh, in reality, We're going to be starting with uh, verse 18 in our reading. Um, You know, we're we're just following the progress, if you will, of the ministry of Jesus and his apostles, uh, along with there's a multitude, as it's called, uh, that are following. It may not always be the same group, large or small. Multitude usually means quite a few. And we're following this in the uh, the Gospel of Luke, which is very, uh, as it states in the very beginning of his writing, is 
chronologically as correct as um, as Luke had put it uh, together. But remember, this is uh, inspired writing. Now, everything recorded in these verses that we have been looking at, reading and, and studying, hold a very great meaning and understanding of who Jesus of Nazareth truly was in the flesh. And that was quite a goal uh, for Jesus to get this message across and that's that's my goal too and I'm so happy that we can do it here and to those that are listening online we really appreciate your participation in our our work here but let's look at the text um chapter 17 or chapter 7 rather verses 18 through 23 <clears throat> we have an account here that needs to be read and it sets us on, on the road, if you will, today. And the disciples of John, that is, John the Immerser, brought him word concerning all these things. Now, all these things, that's referring to all the things that Jesus had been doing before, that they had seen him do. And, and people went back and they told John he was in prison at this time. They told him all the wonderful things, and he sent them back with a question for Jesus. And John, having called two of his disciples, sent to Jesus, saying, Art thou he that is coming, or are we to wait for another? But the men, having come to him, that is, come to Jesus, said, John the Immerser has sent us to thee, saying, Art thou he that is coming, or are we to wait for another? In that hour he healed many of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and to many blind he granted sight. And Jesus answered and said to them, Go, bring back word to John of what you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and then dead are raised, and the poor are evangelized. And... and Blessed is who, whosoever shall not be offended in me. Well, that was the message that went back to, to John. All right. Now, let's, uh, let's look at uh, verse 27 again. Well, not verse 27. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, John sent two of his disciples, as, as they were called, followers of his, that he taught them, and they listened, and they did, helped him in the work of the ministry, which was uh, uh, quite something. And they, they came with a question that John had asked. And many people have really labored over this question. Does this mean John didn't know who Jesus was? 
No. John had already stated that he knew who Jesus was, Jesus of Nazareth. He had, he had seen and, and heard, and he was a prophet, remember. God had told him what to be looking for. But as far as the Messiah goes, and the things to, that would, would come about at that time, he was simply asking a question. Because, you know, as time rolls on, you start thinking, you know, why aren't things moving a little quicker? If, if that's a human nature, um, and it's, it's what keeps us motivated, I guess. Anyway, he sent this question to him. Jesus spoke and performed wonder through the power of the Father in heaven, and these men saw, saw it on their own. They had heard of it. They had maybe, maybe had seen it before. In other words, these things were performed, and Jesus sent them on their way with his answer to John. Not, not the answer that he might have been waiting for, but you see, these things... Um, when you go to the Old Testament, you'll find that the Messianic prophecies, and uh, I have read and have studied about the blind being healed. Uh, as far as we know, only Jesus did this work uh, through the Messianic ministry. Uh, and the Old Testament was clear that the Messiah would do that. And, and the blind see, the lame walk, leopards are cleansed, the deaf hear, dead are raised, and the poor, that is, are evangelized, they hear the good news. That's what, what that means. Such as the Beatitudes, such as the different things that Jesus had been teaching. Um, the poor being, the idea of poor in spirit, in other words, those that are open to that means that no doesn't mean poor financially. Everyone was was nearly in that case, in that issue, but it means they were open to the message from heaven, and they heard that message, not the gospel preached, but the nearness of the kingdom of God. The gospel would come on Pentecost through the apostles of Christ. So. They understood that the things that Jesus did were from God's magnificent power and love for man from heaven and also can, to confirm who Jesus of Nazareth truly was, the Messiah of the Jews. Now, the second thing. <clears throat> Jesus questions the multitudes concerning John. I like this section. Uh, he wants to know what they think of John the Immerser, and he's going to tell them about John. And he's going to compare John to the least of the kingdom of God, which the kingdom of God is what he was preaching. The nearness of the kingdom had not yet come in its full capacity onto the Jews at that time. Verses 24 through 35, listen to what Jesus says. And the messengers of John, having departed, he began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What went you out 
into the wilderness to behold. A reed shaken by the wind? But what went you out to see? A man clothed in delicate garments? Behold, those who are in splendid clothing and live luxuriously are in the courts of the kings. But what went ye out to see? A prophet? Yea, I say to you, and what is more excellent than a prophet? Now, I think the people understood these words. This is he concerning whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, who shall prepare thy way before thee. For I say unto you, among them that are born of women, a greater prophet is no one than John the Immerser. But he who is a little one, or the least, if you will, in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And all the people heard it. And the tax collectors justified God, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rendered null as to themselves the counsel of God. Not having been baptized by John, to whom therefore shall I liken the men of this generation? And to whom are they like? This is what Jesus was telling them now. After they had time to consider what he had said about John, we break in here with what the the tax collectors and the Pharisees and the, and the scribes had had been doing, their actions. And Jesus says, They are like children sitting in a marketplace and calling one to another and saying, We have piped to you and you have not danced. We have mourned to you and you have not wept. For John the Baptist has come neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say, he has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, behold, an eater and wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, and wisdom has been justified of all her children. Well, that passage uh, concerning prophet, or uh, verse number 27, this is concerning whom it is written, Behold, I I send my messenger before thy face, who shall prepare thy way before thee. That is in reference to Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. Um, And also the... um, Uh, At the birth of John the Baptist, his father also prophesied concerning his son in like manner. First he prophesied concerning Jesus, and then his son. Um, Malachi 3.1 Lo, I am sending my messenger, and he hath prepared a way before me. And suddenly, come in unto his temple, doth the Lord whom you are seeking even the messengers of the covenant, 
whom you are desiring, lo, he is coming, said Jehovah of hosts. And of course, uh, the day of his coming, that is, of course, the parousia in verse 2, which is not the birth of Christ. It is the parousia, it is the end of the covenant time period that the Jews understood well. The kingdom of God is greater than all has come before. That's what Jesus is saying here. The prophets of God were, were wonderful. They were loyal. And John was amongst the finest of all prophets. And all of the first covenant and all that, that had came before, including Moses and all, next to the kingdom of God, that, by the way, the faithful of them would, would be in the kingdom of God when it had come in its full at the end of the first covenant. But they were awaiting that at this time. That's why Jesus could say that the least of those, uh, the least of the kingdom of God is greater than all that has come before. And, of course, um, even John just as the scriptures had proclaimed and the Jewish people had in their hand, if you will, symbolized. They had them in scrolls and that sort of thing, but this is what they studied. These were the things that they already had and they should have understood. But here's another interesting thing. The tax collectors, or the, some of our texts say the publicans, uh, they are the tax collectors. They are either Roman or Jewish. Uh, people they collected taxes for Rome, and also they collected temple taxes for the Jews in power. But even they were more righteous and repentative of of their actions, and had been baptized with the baptism of John for for the uh, idea of repenting than the scribes and the Pharisees. That was made clear here by Jesus at that point. John, the immerser, and Jesus of Nazareth are the righteous ones in what they have said and done. And they were speaking the truth from above. Speaking the truth of God from above. John as a prophet and Jesus as a son the Messiah, the Son of Man and the Son of God, and the Messiah of the, of the covenant that God had promised um, for, for <laughs> all the way through scriptures, including, I think it's Genesis chapter 3, concerning the seed of, of Eve that would come to destroy the works of Satan. That's the Messiah. That was the awaited Messiah for the people of God. Now, the last uh, part of this, it starts in verse 36. Jesus is taking care of a lot of business here, isn't he? Um, Dealing with the messengers from John and dealing with the the idea of who John was and, and solidifying within those words that John was sent to proclaim his, that is Jesus' ministry, to the people of of the Jews. 
of Israel, if you will. And he had done just that. All talking about who it was that accepted these things and who didn't. Then in verse 36, we have an account that's interesting. But one of the Pharisees, and there apparently was a number of them there, begged him that he would eat with him. And entering into the house of the Pharisee, he took his place at table. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner and knew that he was sitting at meat in the house of the Pharisee, having taken an alabaster alabaster box of myrrh and standing at his feet behind him, weeping, began to wash his feet with tears. And she wiped them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the myrrh. And the Pharisee who had invited him, seeing it, and this is the important little part of this, the Pharisee that had invited him, seeing it, spoke with himself, saying, you, you understand, right? He was thinking in his head the words. He was fashioning it in his own mind. What's going on here? This is unusual, of course. And he's thinking about Jesus and what's happening. And here's what he thinks. This person, that is Jesus, if he were a prophet would have known who and what the woman is who is touching him. For she is a sinner. And Jesus, answering him, said to him. In other words, Jesus didn't hear him say anything, but he knew exactly what he was thinking. All right? How shocked would you have been if this happened? And he says to him, Simon, that's the name of the Pharisee, I have somewhat to say to thee. What do you suppose he was thinking at that time? Well, maybe he's going to disclaim this whole situation. I was wrong. Maybe he is a prophet. No, that's not what happens. I have somewhat to say to thee. And he said, teacher, say it. There were two debtors of a certain creditor. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. But as they had nothing to pay, he forgave both of them their debt, saying, Which of them, therefore, will love him most? So Jesus uses a parable now. He gives it to Simon. He wants the answer. What's Simon going to do? And Simon answered and said, I suppose he to whom he forgave the most. And he said to him, Thou hast rightly judged. And turning to the woman, he said to Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thy house, and thou gave me not water on my feet, 
but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Thou gavest me not a kiss, but she from the time I came in has not ceased from kissing my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but she has anointed my feet with myrrh, for which cause I say to thee, her many sins are forgiven, for she loved much, but he who little is forgiven loves little. For he said to her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that were with them at the table began to say within themselves, once again, talking to themselves, they didn't say this to Jesus. Who is this who forgives also sins? And he said to the woman, Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. Well, I just, I just love the way this lays this out that Simon speaks within himself. Don't we all speak within ourselves? We do it all, we do it all the time uh, because many times it's inappropriate to just blurt out what we'd like to say, you know. Or we got a real question. Simon speaks within himself, but Jesus still answers the unspoken question. You know, I guess the miracle worker, Jesus of Nazareth, I guess if he could do those things, yeah, maybe he knew what Simon was thinking. There might have even been others there that actually kind of wondered what was going on. I'm sure all of them did. But Jesus answers him with the, with the uh, answers that unspoken question. But Jesus speaks, the truth. First, he gives this man a parable that sets him going, thinking in the right order, kind of clarifying the issue a little bit with something that probably happens all the time as far as the, the lender and the debtor and this sort of thing. And this man was very aware of that, and he gave the right answer. He said, I suppose. Uh, verse 47. I want to reread it. For which cause I say to thee, her many sins are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is little, uh, he, he who is little is forgiven, loves little. I wonder if Simon thought because of his righteousness, that maybe he fell into the category of loving little because he had little, little. To, you know, these, these things are really, the things that Jesus say really brings you to a, a real thinking process concerning the real truth of the, of the matter. You know, all his thinking was, was on the physical level the woman, the state of this woman, but then he saw her do something that he never would have thought she would have done. And yet, there she was. She had heard about Jesus. 
She understood. She was hoping that he was Messiah. But he was Jesus of Nazareth, the one that healed, the miracle worker, the rabbi, the teacher. And remember, he taught with authority that the other teachers of the day did not. All of these things were, were there for her to know. But as we finish that chapter, we, we still come back to the same question that we have in all of these accounts amongst the group, the multitudes, even within the Pharisees and the scribes and, and all, this thinking, as it says, they were thinking within themselves. The question remains, who is this man? Who is this man? They knew that the forgiveness of sins was an attribute of God. They knew that. And yet Jesus had proclaimed it for this woman. But he also proclaimed that everything that he said and taught was from his Father. He made the connection. It was now up to them to make that connection themselves. All the evidence was there. But the question still remained in many of their minds. How can these things be? Her faith and her understanding was very strong. You think about it, it was stronger than anybody else's there, really. She didn't have these questions. I just think we can relate this to our everyday life. Every bit of it. This is what we, this is the atmosphere we live in all the time. And it, when, when I see, I just see so much of people's time going to, to useless things and not even taking care of their responsibilities, but wasting their time on useless things. And they had a real responsibility in, in uh, the land of the Jews when the Messiah was amongst them. It was to learn his ways, to listen to him. Isn't that what God proclaimed from heaven? This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And to the apostles he said, This is my Son, listen to him. The, the, the idea, the responsibility of the people is to listen to Jesus, or we put it another way, listen to the word of God, for that is what he spoke. That is what we read, and that is where we should live. So these things we need to consider. Um, they're a great testimony to the nature of man. We see how it is. And when we're older and wiser, we realize, huh, I'm, not, I'm not criticizing these people because I, this is a process of understanding. It's a process of growing. Um, a process of removing all those things that stand in the way of you saying, this is God's word, this is what I want to do and be. I want to please God, 
And to please God now is to, is to be obedient to his son, to the apostolic principles of the scriptures that we have in conforming to the pattern of salvation. These things are, are not in any way uh, changeable by us in any, any practical way. We can't philosophize, you know, we, we can't tear it apart and, and, and decide that these things are good and these things are bad or these things have no meaning to us now at this point. So we promote the scriptures and we stand on them and we want to have conversation about them, through them and within them. We pray these words have been useful to you today as we come to our song of invitation, Rescue the Perishing. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.